Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world, wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. In recent times, the concept of entrepreneurship has become a difficult to define thing. For many, our globalised world of tech startups and social media businesses has given entrepreneurship a new meaning, but has also raised some questions. Are you an entrepreneur if you call yourself one? Do you have to have a business? Or do you have to make money? Yes, entrepreneurship is difficult to identify. However, one key question that remains constant is, is entrepreneurship something you are born with or is it something you can teach? And if so, how do you teach it? On today's show, we'll try to answer just that. To give us some insight, I'm joined by two educators of the next generation of entrepreneurs. Martin Bliemel is an associate professor and the director of research at Transdisciplinary School at UTS. And Jochen Schweitzer is an associate professor of strategy and innovation and the director of entrepreneurship at the UTS Business School. Martin and Jochen, thanks so much for joining me today here on Think Business Futures. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Stefan. Now, Jochen... I'm going to start with the simplest question because I think potentially in the world of social media, pretty uh, people are pretty quick to call themselves an entrepreneur. So when you talk about what an entrepreneur is, what do you mean? When I talk about entrepreneurs, I think I'm I'm, I'm thinking of business builders or venture builders rather. Uh, so people who are um, interested and passionate about starting something new. And um, that can be a social venture, that can be a business. Uh, I think often we associate that with businesses that are uh, in the tech space, but it doesn't really have to be that. It can be, can, can be all of it. Martin, anything to add to that? I mean, it's relatively broad, starting something new. I mean, I started a new Instagram page because I started weaving little hangings for the wall and stuff like that and called myself an entrepreneur. Am I an entrepreneur? Whether or not you call yourself an entrepreneur is also different to who else calls you an entrepreneur. So the, the, the use of the word entrepreneur varies significantly. If you talk to your dentist, what magazines they read, they're not going to read Entrepreneur Magazine. Even though you could say dentists are sole proprietors, they're all entrepreneurs, graphic designers, people who start new things um, and create value from it. You could define them as entrepreneurs too. So in some senses, it's people who self-label themselves as an entrepreneur. You could just say, sure, if you see yourself as an entrepreneur, fine, you're an entrepreneur. Um, but there are also many people who don't identify with the term who actually could be entrepreneurs. So it, it gets really messy really quickly, as you say. What do you think we really mean in the traditional sense, and how do you define it when when you're teaching your students and talking about entrepreneurship? What are some of the attributes that makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur, Jochen? I think the, the, the key attributes that, that, that are associated with that is the idea of uh, starting something new. And uh, going through these uh, loops of testing and validating whether that new is going to get some traction in in the market or with your audiences, and that you could look at that as the entrepreneurial process. And there's you know heaps of sort of um, methods and tools associated with that that people can learn and practice. But at the end of the day, 
it's the process of getting traction with something. And that could be, um, as I said before, it could be something that is around um, providing value to customers and sort of selling something, creating something that people want to buy or have, or it's creating impact of some sorts by, uh, you know, having a, make a, starting a movement and, um, and, and getting responses to that. Martin, anything to add to that? Oh, totally. It's usually creating value for others and also capturing that value too. There's got to be something beyond the novelty. You could be starting something new for yourself. It might be creating value for yourself. But it's if it's not creating value for others and having that, I guess, like customer mindset, then it's hard to, I guess, define it more more than just a hobby. Mm, okay. Yeah. Martin, people do relate it these days to the tech space a lot, and we think of startups. So just to continue laying a bit of groundwork, what's the difference between a startup and a business? A business would probably be, I guess, a legal entity that is there to make enough revenues to support itself, at least. Hopefully, hopefully also making more revenues than that. A startup would be a subset of that, has that high growth intention that really actually wants to go from startup to scale up to a, a massively scalable company that throws off tons of wealth that hopefully gets recycled back into the industry to create new startups. Businesses tend to have more conventional growth rates, like they just kind of trickle along, grow gradually. And startups, um, if you look at where the new jobs are created, those are usually in those high growth startups. And then it becomes a question of what's a high growth startup versus non-high growth startup. So mm-hmm. it really also relates mostly to the stage at which that business is in. So it's the early stages. It's the stages uh, where you still figuring out what's working and what's not working. And where does a startup end and where does a scale-up start and when does a scale-up become a corporate organization? Are we thinking of uh, Atlassian still as a startup or do we think of it as a sort of large corporate organization by now? I think it's more the latter. With this landscape of startups and tech companies and the sort of globalized system of technology and access that we're a part of, is there more opportunity out there for entrepreneurship? I'd say so, yes. I think what what really completely changed the landscape, I think, was the internet uh, and and the availability of of these technologies for people with entrepreneurial um, ideas. So there's there's a whole uh, bunch of businesses that we have today that we wouldn't have had 15, 20 years ago, of course. So that that I would say yes to. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny seeing, and I totally support that too, like that the cost of starting a business is phenomenally low compared Mm -hmm. to what it used to be. And if you ask people who say they're not ready to start yet, and if you push them a bit further to define why they're not ready to start, it comes down to they don't think they have the right idea, they don't have the right networks, the right money. But if you push hard enough, you realize you don't actually need a lot of networks. You can build those. You don't need a lot of money. If it's just testing ideas and getting that validation, just talk to people. It doesn't cost anything. So you can start businesses really economically and frugally these days. So you would expect there to be this surge of startups coming post-internet and, and with the cost of starting up declining. But interestingly, we're actually seeing a little bit of the opposite, where the number of new businesses started per year is declining year over year over year. Really? Oh, that's so, interesting. I wouldn't expect that. What is the entrepreneurship ecosystem? Really hard to define, yet so necessary to define. The ecosystem, yeah, as, as Jochen says, includes not just the startups, not just the money, but everyone who supports, including all the, the lawyers, doctors, consultants, accountants, all of it. Defining what an ecosystem is depends on what you want to do with the ecosystem, too. Like if, if you just leave it as a nebulous statistic of, hey, the Australian startup ecosystem had, now has 22 unicorns and you know is creating X thousand jobs, great, those statistics are good. But if you want to actually change that ecosystem, you have to, I mean, come up with a definition of it that's useful to you. 
the state government might define ecosystem to say the federal government to even tech central which is right here on our doorstep they might say the ecosystem we're focusing on is here in this six precinct area mm. so i think from a startup's perspective it's important to recognize that there is a lot of players in that startup ecosystem that they can uh, be aware of work with get support from to pursue their entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, I think that's the whole point about the ecosystem, that it's there, and many startup founders are not even aware of it or know what sort of support they can, can get. So that's that's really important to consider. The, the, the jobs that are created in the startup industry, I mean, there's the magic multiplier number, what is it, five or six, that for every tech job, there are five or six other jobs related to that job. Mm. Wanting to become part of a tech ecosystem or tech central precinct or whatever you call it with a tech startup scene should not be a turnoff for people who are not inherently self-identifying as being tech. So, mm. yes, the engineers and scientists, et cetera, are super important, but so is everybody else. Okay. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Think Business Futures here on 2SER 107.3. My name is Stefan Postuma. I'm your host. And I'm joined in the studio by Jochen Schweitzer and Martin Bliemel from the UTS Business School. And we're talking about entrepreneurship. What is it? Can you teach it? And if so, how do you teach it? We need to move on to educating entrepreneurs because that's something that we're here to talk about. <laughs> Are people born entrepreneurs or can you teach it, Jochen? Well, you ask it an educator, and uh, my answer, my answer is, a, is a passionate yes. You can teach them. I think there's there's a there's a myth out there about the uh, born entrepreneur, and uh, often I think we think of uh, characters like um, Bezos, Jobs, and and um, Branson's and, the and big Branson, one. Branson's, <laughs> and sometimes sometimes there are college dropouts, and then that's the story that we hear about. You know, this is an entrepreneur, and this is how entrepreneurs are successful. In fact, I think we see that entrepreneurs are actually quite educated. They often start entrepreneurial endeavors later in life as well. So uh, I think the, the rule is that people are educated, not necessarily in entrepreneurship, but in some disciplinary knowledge. And that sort of motivates them to, to start, start up a business and to start up a venture. And then like with any other profession, you can, you can learn how to do this. We would not question once whether a surgeon needed good training to be working in a hospital. We would not mm. question once whether uh, somebody who builds bridges and buildings needed to you know, go through some education to do that well. And that's the same for entrepreneurship. You mentioned these people are often educated before they become entrepreneurs. Are there some industries or skills that are common for entrepreneurs? I think of you know people transitioning from accounting to starting businesses and, and being successful. Or do some people from different disciplines have a, have a bit of an advantage with the transition, Martin? Like a knack or advantage? I mean, there, there's an educational advantage or a knack advantage. Sort of come, circling back on your question of whether entrepreneurs are born or made. Those who believe entrepreneurs can be born or are born would believe that they have some sort of natural inherent knack that is just there genetically coded in them versus understanding and knowing that you know, entrepreneurship, whether you see it as a science or a trade, anyone can improve their, their entrepreneurial capabilities. So anyone can train and be coached and mentored to become a better entrepreneur. Mm. Like I haven't seen any statistical research or analysis on it, but if I look at who actually goes into business, I mean, it's across all walks of life. Mm. There are books like The Millionaire Next Door. Like you don't have to be this gregarious, outgoing salesperson to be an entrepreneur. So, and many of them are just kind of quietly tooling away in the background and running amazing, quiet businesses actually don't want to draw attention to themselves. Some of them, particularly undergrads, start with the more of a consumer mindset and think about what can I sell to an individual or to a customer. 
But as you go through your career, you might realize actually there's some massive problems in industry and they're more mm. B2B opportunities than, than elsewhere. So you might see dentists or doctors shift totally out of their profession into something else. People like people drop out of every stage of, of the business environment to start businesses for, for a huge variety of reasons. Yeah, I, th I think startups can come out of research come out of universities i think there's there's a whole area there that where, where research gets commercialized but there's also a huge area of people who just see opportunities in in their work life or in their life and and, and think I, i should i should try this and this could be really in in, in any way so you mentioned accountants accountants often uh, i think become become um, self-employed in some in some way and then and sort of leverage that into a business opportunity but really any any other uh, profession would would have the opportunity to see opportunities and make something of it. Okay. There's a bigger question, though, that, that you haven't asked that plays into that, though, is why do people become entrepreneurs? Why do they leave whatever profession they're in to become the entrepreneur? Um, you, you would think that the vast majority of them are doing it because they want to pursue something bigger. I think maybe it's the great resignation that's happening out of COVID that people say, yeah, my day job's okay, it pays the bills, but I actually want to see something that gives me more purpose in life. Uh, for other people, it's much more almost circumstantial. Like I've had a, I've had a colleague move cities, and he said, "Look, there aren't any jobs in my area here, so I'm just going to create a business, mm. create my own job." Okay. Are there character traits that sort of factor into one's ability to be a successful entrepreneur? Is is a certain type of person? Because we're talking about how to educate entrepreneurs, and you know, this is wildly anecdotal, but I feel I have an entrepreneurial streak in the sense that I'm constantly identifying how things can be done better or how products should be made better. And maybe I'm just a cynical bastard, but um, you know, I'm constantly sort of looking at the world saying, this is what we need for this. This is what we need for this. This is what we need for this. You know, I was educated in media and I've, you know, done a number of things in my life, but I, def I definitely wasn't educated in business or entrepreneurship. But are, are there character traits that help? I wouldn't necessarily call them character traits, but I would call them maybe skills and capabilities that you have. And you might have acquired them throughout your life and this might be um, curious uh, curiosity it might be curiosity that you that you have and that you apply uh, to everything you see thinking there's an opportunity I would attribute that to your education upbringing and your um, your becoming uh, rather than than a character trait that you had from from birth okay I'd say you're just a grumpy bastard. Okay. <laughs> Good. Dis my my exes would agree. Dissatisfied with the world, the way the world is. It, the, the next question is, are you going to do something about it rather than just be grumpy yeah. about this should be better? Mm. Yeah, Things yeah. were better when I was younger. Um, it, it, definitely. Like it's, it's Some of these things are like a, uh, the capabilities and the mindsets that you can develop over time. Some entrepreneurial studies say uh, entrepreneurs have a higher need for achievement. So rather than just you know fulfilling the status quo and getting a nice paycheck, that they actually want to do more. Um, but there's study after study showing that these these psychological traits are actually debunked. Mm. What does it then, because we've talked about that transition away from business, that transition away from a stable profession or, or, or a people who are sort of happy to take a paycheck, you mentioned, I mean, and then there's all sorts of examples. Like you say, there's people that are working in an industry, they identify a market for something and think, I'm going to go pursue that. There might be, you know, there's probably a thousand more people who have identified that same market, but they've never taken the plunge. What is it that makes people take that plunge, Jochen? I think if you're bit educated around entrepreneurship, you would take that plunge once you've de-risked the plunge and you have understood that it's worth 
taking the risk. So you know, getting rid of the paycheck and 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 maybe um, having enough savings to get through the first half year or year until you are in a situation or position where you can attract more funding and then sort of live on that as mm. your paycheck. So that is more uh, a risk mitigation strategy than it is uh, actually taking a risk. This is not, you're not doing this uh, if, 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 if it would mean that you could lose everything you have. That is not smart. It's okay. gambling. It's <laughs> gambling, yes. Yeah. So, it, totally. There are huge differences between risk, perceived risk, and uncertainty. Like other people would see entrepreneurs as being risk takers, but Actually, the entrepreneurs are often taking calculated risks. They're placing small bets, just probing for information to de-risk an opportunity. Okay. Is there a, is there a commonality between the risk profile of entrepreneurs or, or does that vary and the only, the only thing that remains constant is the ability to calculate these risks and act accordingly? The, the propensity to deal with uncertainty or even embrace uncertainty, um, I would say entrepreneurs are, are probably thriving more in that environment. Um, it's, it's certainly something we try and prepare the students for. We, we throw them a really, you know, a, a challenge or a brief that's as complex as possible, almost deliberately put them in that state of confusion to make them feel comfortable with, hey, wait a second, this is the way the world works. There are a lot of complex things happening going on. The more you can actually just relax in a complex environment, the more you can then think more tactically, more strategically about, okay, what are the next pieces of information you want? Rather than trying to figure out everything possible at the same time, what, what's your priority list of what are you going to, what, who are you going to ask which questions next? Are you going to talk to a customer? Are you going to talk to a supplier? And if so, what questions are you going to ask them? I mean, you, you embrace the uncertainty of the situation, but you don't let it get to your nerves. Right. Is process-driven approaches to things like risk and things like communication with suppliers and an understanding of setting goals and how to get there, for example, some of the skills that you you teach, you can maybe give us some further examples of these these fundamentals that are a part of educating people in entrepreneurship, Jochen? Yeah, absolutely. So to, to what Martin just said there is, is, is uh, much of the entrepreneurship education is around uh, breaking it down into smaller pieces and breaking it down into pieces that you can achieve in, in, in short amount of time. So we often call them sprints. So you would define and decide, okay, what can I achieve in that time? And can I, can I validate my idea by talking to 10 customers and getting their feedback and from that learn how else or how even more so I can I can meet their demands or meet their needs. And then you, you continue this uh, sort of ongoing cycle and uh, of, of, of sprints and validating your idea. And this way your idea takes shape. And it might, it might really be different to what you had maybe when you started five months ago, but that is the entrepreneurial process as to finding something that, that, that gets traction and, and gets, gets uh, yeah, feedback from customers. The beauty of this is it, it's not rocket science. It's, yeah. it's, there's a process, there's a madness to the methods, um, and I love it when at the end of the term students realize, actually, I can do this. This is a legitimate business or a le- legitimate business idea. So in, in some cases, it's, it's a, quite therapeutic for them that they realize any student at any, or even high school students, let's include them here as well too, because um, a lot of high schools are now running their own entrepreneurship programs. Anyone pretty much at any age, I'd probably argue almost from grade six onwards, could can develop a uh, familiarity with exploring opportunities with the intention to create a business around them. So it, it can be incredibly liberating for students to realize, okay, they don't have to first get a job, get a couple of years in experience, and then become an entrepreneur and, and build up their nest egg, they could start right away. They can do it in parallel to their studies. Okay. Is it difficult to educate students in entrepreneurship when the outcome or the identity that you fall into is somewhat fuzzy and it could be anything depending on where you choose to go? 
I would think it's become easier because these traditional roles and, and professions, they, they, they're changing. They're changing a lot. And if you study a particular field today, it doesn't really mean that, that, that the profile of that job is going to be like that in the next 5, 10 or 20 years. So plus, we, we also know that people will in the future go through probably various careers and they have various jobs using various skill sets. So for us as educators at university to teach people a skill set and capabilities that would allow them and enable them to do exactly that, that is what we see entrepreneurship can do. So it really helps people to, 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 to leverage those opportunities as they go through their careers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just adding to that, the uh, some of the statistics are that uh, you might change the careers three times and have 22 jobs over your entire career trajectory. So. If you look at your core degree, whether it's engineering, nursing, whatever, that's often good to get you your next job and maybe, I guess, sorry, your first career and maybe your first three or four jobs. But after that, you might really benefit from having these transversal capabilities or portable capabilities that help you shift from job to job to job. And so the, the entrepreneurial capabilities, they can apply in pretty much any sort of job co context. And we see that in a lot of the, the industry reports where they say uh, World Economic Forum is probably the best known one where the top jobs that employers look for are innovation, creativity, critical thinking. So you asked earlier about how we how we educate, how we how we deliver this in, in, in courses. And to Martin's point, so there's a, there's a set of capabilities that we can identify and say, okay, we're going to create learning experiences that that help students um, develop those skills and capabilities. But there's also a whole range of we call them business outcomes that that we would like to see them produce. So things like a pitch, for example, things like you know a, a, a cost planning or budget planning mm -hmm. exercise that would give them the skills that they would need as entrepreneurs to, pr to pursue and progress their business. Okay. Some of the fundamentals, um, yeah, understandable. What about the ability, we sort of touched on it briefly, to try new things and to learn new skills along the way? I mean, I, I'm assuming everyone's different. I'm assuming you've probably got students who might get bogged down in one thing. You know, how, how do you educate people as to it's time to it's time to sort of move on and, 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 and learn the next thing. Maybe maybe that one didn't work. It's time to keep going and take that as a lesson and and keep pushing forward, Martin. I mean for most students you would want them to be a little open minded to at least know enough about other opportunities or other careers or other professions so they know how to speak that common language without necessarily constantly bouncing around from one profession to another to another. Okay. Jochen, do you have anything to add to that? Or well, look, I think if, if your question was also related to 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 whether or how you make the decision to go or no go with a startup idea, then I think that's something you can also learn by just putting down some criteria. So mm. if I don't have revenue by the end of the year, I should stop this. If I don't have you know X amount of customers, or if I don't find investment, then I should stop this. And uh, in the startup world, this is called a pivot. <laughs> and you just move on to the next idea. And this could be taking over some of what you've learned and sort of just changing it towards a different direction, or you just kill it all together and start something else. Sure. Okay. Uh, the last the last aspect of education that I'll ask about is communication, because I assume good communication is important for a successful entrepreneur. And you know, we can talk, go back and think about the archetypes like Richard Branson, who are these master communicators and affable people that get everyone behind their projects and things like that. And we're also talking about pitching things and trying to get people to give you money and that sort of thing. 
people's ability to communicate is extremely varied. How do you teach good communication skills when it comes to entrepreneurship, Martin? This is, I mean, comes back to, if, if I add up this question with all the other questions you've asked of like, is this skill important? Is this skill important? Is this skill important? The short answer is yes, they're all important. <laughs> is it the risk profile? Is it the accounting skills? Is it the, the pitching skills, the communication skills, the written skills, the product design skills? They're all important. The question is, what configuration of skills do you have or want to develop mm. as part of maybe as part of a team or maybe as part of a solo entrepreneurship to really, I guess, pursue and op- pursue that opportunity that's specific to you. Okay. So when you're being grumpy again and say, "Hey, you know, the world should be different because I see this big problem in it," and you're complaining again, um, think about how does that relate to your ability to actually do something about it. Sure, but it's it's also the communication skills are important for for any profession really aren't mm. they so so like like you know if, if you if you you, you got to be good at explaining what you want what you can do where you want to go and um i think that is that is an important skill altogether and not just for entrepreneurs mm, okay yeah it's it's fascinating what you fascinating what you mentioned martin especially when it comes to the education of you know high school students or university students young people um i think it takes a while i think it takes quite a while to be able to identify what you're good at and identify what you're not good at it's definitely something i didn't have when i was going through university you kind of think you're a bit invincible and whatever the world's your oyster and stuff like that i'm much quicker to sort of say can someone else please take this over because i am not good at it now so uh it's an interesting time to be introducing those types of processes those thought processes into into young people's lives it's time for us to wrap up so i'm going to leave us with one thing pitch us entrepreneurship pitch me entrepreneurship what does entrepreneurship do for and i'm going to divide it here so jochen you can answer for the individual and martin you can answer for the country or the economy or the globe more broadly? Jochen, starting with you. I'm glad I've got the individual one. (laughs) (laughs) So what does entrepreneurship do for you as an individual? I think, so when I'm thinking of the students that come to our programs, and I think it gives them a very rich learning experience where they can... um, test their knowledge, test their skills on something very concrete that they think of themselves and and learn a lot about, you know, getting maybe even a product to market. But along the way, uh, learning a whole set of uh, skills and capabilities and have opportunity to work on something that's real and realistic. Um, and I think that's, that's a great learning experience. Okay. Martin, your so turn. At the national level, if you look at the new job creation, that's often at the startup level. These mm. high growth companies are where the new jobs are coming from. There's a huge incentive for governments to figure out how do we enable these companies that are going to generate these new jobs and not just you know construction work jobs and, and being the lollipop person on a construction site like that's a short-term paycheck but it's not going to be a career pathway and it's not going to necessarily lead to economic device, diversification or international competitiveness so countries do look at international competitiveness and want to attract the, the world's best talent to their area to you know maximize gdp and all that stuff um, but those GDP gains, those changes in productivity is are generated through innovation. And innovation is usually led by people who are entrepreneurial. Not necessarily entrepreneurs, but people who are entrepreneurial. Okay. Well, it's fascinating and it must be quite rewarding to be able to see students go through this process of learning about entrepreneurship um, and you know, I'd assume that many of them sort of take take this wisdom on board, and who knows, you, who knows who the next uh, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, or Jeff Bezos is that comes out of the UTS Business School. That's all we've got time for. Jochen and Martin, thanks so much for joining me on Think Business Futures. Thank you, Stefan, for having us. Thanks very much. Thanks. 
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guests, Jochen Schweitzer and Martin Blemel. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.